On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Operation Mindcrime, the live performances. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Paul Zotter as we consider the live performances of Queensryche's landmark Operation Mindcrime. So, Paul, it looks like it's a palaver for two this evening. As, it certainly does. As 50% of our group have been called away to other business. It happens. It happens. It, it does happen. However, as promised, we are here to discuss the live performances of Operation Mindcrime. And I just want to... Uh, there are a couple sort of broad stroke items but I want to point out that we have now, this is like the fourth week that we have been focusing on Operation Mindcrime. And I wow. am nowhere close to being tired of listening to this record. Interesting. I've, it's still fucking wonderful. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because, well, so I did sort of go about this in the wrong way. I, I did procrastinate. Um, I had watched snippets of, of, of our assignment over the last several uh, weeks, but I really just procrastinated and watched both concerts back to back in one night. And, um, and if anything will get you a little ready to not listen to Operation Mindcrime anymore, I think doing that just might do it. Might do the trick. See, it's funny you say that because I have not procrastinated. I watched the original Operation Live Crime probably two weeks ago, maybe more. I watched Mind Crime at the Moor, and those are the two sort of um, main um, assignments for the night, the source material, if you will, the, the two sort of definitive complete performances of that by, you know, the, the core band. And then this past Saturday night, I did exactly what you did. Mm. I sat down in the early evening and I watched Live Crime and Part One of Mind Crime at the Moor back to back. And I was never more juiced than I was after I finished that. Wow. I mean, I found it just to be absolutely stunning and couldn't wait to to talk about it i grabbed the studio um cd and listened to it in the car as i was driving around on sunday uh just i can't get enough absolutely that's that is fantastic that is fantastic one one mistake i may have made is is i started my adventure late in the evening instead of early in the evening so that could have that could have been could have dampened my it it could have i also watched them in reverse I watched Live at the Moor first. Oh, and then no, no. 
Operation no. Life Crime. No. Which I actually, I th- I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did that. I, I mean, it, I, I'll Life be, Crime is head and shoulders better than, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, we, we have to sort of get into all of this. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, it, if you watch, so I watch them live crime, mind crime at the more. And then I, I just watched snippets, not the whole thing of Jeff Tate performances Uh, of later vintage, uh including 2019 in the Dallas house of blues and 2021 somewhere. And yeah, let's just say you can certainly see a development when you, when you view them in that order. Sure. And, and Kenny G and I actually witnessed Jeff Tate very, very close to post lawsuit performing under the moniker operation mind crime. Uh, I think it was Jeff Tate's Queensryche performs operation mind crime. So I think it was right before he couldn't use the name anymore. Really? It was like a very, I think there was a very brief, I have to dig into uh, a build an empire book because I feel like, I feel like there was a brief time post lawsuit where they both had rights to the name for a short period of time. Very so short. Jeff, Jeff Tate was touring under Jeff Tate's Queensryche and he performed uh, Operation Mindcrime front to back and all the hits. And that's when Rudy Sarzo and Rudy Sar- Sarzo's brother was in the band. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you saw with Rudy. That's fantastic. I hadn't realized that you guys had seen him then. So you, you and Ken have actually seen Operation Mindcrime performed live in its entirety twice. Yeah, well, in two different situations, I actually saw it. Uh, I saw the live crime tour, the Empire tour twice. It's oh, okay. So sweet. Yeah, yeah. Once at the Hershey Arena, and then once at uh, at the Spectrum. At the Spectrum. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the band that opened up for Queensryche at the Hershey arena. But what was, what was spectacular. And I don't know that we've actually said, I think we have, we we've commented on the brilliance of Queensryche in the way they present their dissatisfaction with society in, in a very specific yet somehow subtle and general manner that makes it timeless and, and applicable to, the modern day as much as it was back back then but their opening act lacked a little bit of the subtlety they literally finished their first song and as they're strumming the end of the chord the singer comes up to the microphone and says we're whatever the hell their name was he's like and we don't like george bush <laughs> I- and like you know and they had like a 30 minute set so all all they did was complain about uh george bush uh, well, and and, it was George H. W. Bush at the time. Yeah, and and I want to say, I want to say some of the visuals from. I want to say it's Mind Crime at the Moore, which was yes. two thousand four. Initially, they they had both Bushes. They had H. There was one image, I believe, early on in some montage with HW, but then there were a couple of, of W himself. But I, I I literally laughed out loud, given the context of today's political discourse, mm. 
The fact that anyone would be upset about H.W. Bush just boggles my brain. Yeah. <laughs> he seems he seems so inoffensive in, in the modern lens. It, it seems that way. Although, well, although I think we could we could you know go into a whole conversation about sure the differences. Uh, when was uh, Mind Crime at the Moor? That was uh, that was oh, during four? W's. Was yeah, it was, I think so. Because I, I you know I recall Jeff Tate holding up a picture he'd like someone give Bush a, a blowjob so we can impeach, impeach him. him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff Tate obviously had a, a very big axe to grind with regards to. Presidents yeah. named Bush, which you know, yeah, that's that's cool. One yeah. other, one other sort of ancillary thing that we need, I need to to present and deal with up front, and apologies to those in the palaver who have, I'm sure, at least once, if not many occasions, tried to draw my attention to this particular topic, and that would be one. Elizabeth Zaroff, also known as the charismatic voice. I stumbled upon her as I was cruising through YouTube looking for Jeff Tate um, mind crime performances. And uh, the very she's done she's done four episodes that I'm aware of on Queensryche. In the order in which she did them, they are um, silent lucidity. Take Hold of the Flame, Wow! Eyes of a Stranger, and Sweet Sister Mary. Wow. Now, the, and I'm, I'm going to just assume that most people listening know something about the charismatic voice. I have this feeling that I'm like one of five people on the planet who don't know or follow her. I'm, I'm also one of those five people. Okay. You, she's, she's suggested a lot, but I've, I never watched. You absolutely positively need to go watch these. <laughs> and I recommend watching them in order that she did them. Okay. Now the order I watched them in was, I believe I watched eyes of a stranger first. Okay. And then I went back and did Silent Lucidity, Take Hold of the Flame, and then finally Sweet Sister Mary. Uh, and and Ken assures me that her enthusiasm is equivalent throughout. And, and I guess we should, for those who don't know, she is a, a, a singer, audio designer, vo vocal co coach. She's, she's an opera singer. Okay. And apparently she has, and I don't exactly know how this has happened, but a lot of these songs she has never heard. So sometimes you will, she will literally give, she'll be listening to a song for the first time and give her reaction, it, like literally as she's going through. And yeah. it's, it's, I mean, she obviously knows her stuff with regards to, you know, vocal technique and things of that nature. Um, it was fascinating, but her enthusiasm is completely unbridled. To the point where, you know, and, and we've we've gushed on this uh, podcast about Jeff Tate's vocal capability, and so to hear someone who clearly knows and understands this, you know, on a different plane, to hear her gushing about him was fantastic. But her reactions are so genuine and enthusiastic; it is a delight absolute delight to watch and her insights 
with regards to what the songs mean um, is, is she's really very good if she, wow. in fact, doesn't know anything about this. I literally watched all four of those at least twice, and I think I watched two of them three times on Sunday alone. Because once I discovered this, it's just, it's such a joy. The only other one I watched, and it was very funny, um, I watched her review Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd on the live album Pulse. Wow. And just to hear the way that she, that was really interesting because the way she describes how Pink Floyd uses music and the voices in the Roger Waters sections to create, you know, certain, you know, time effect feels is fascinating. She had a, there was this one particular dissonant portion of Gilmore's guitar solo at the end of that, that, that like it, it's really an oral A R A U R A L trigger for her um, when certain sounds you know, occur. And it was at a point where Gilmore's way high up on the neck and he's bending notes and playing with his tremolo at the same time. So he's, uh. he's just going all over the place and it freaked her out. It was amazing. Wow. Okay. Um, but, but you've got to check it out now. All right. So, so I watched, I watched eyes of a stranger first and she was just delightful. And, and, you know, I, like I said, she, her descriptions. So she described Jeff Tate's um, voice as being like milk chocolate. And she described David Gilmore's voice as being like drops of water on silicone, which I thought was a really descriptive um, um, thing. But, but she's really, you know, she was gushing about Tate's performance on eyes of a stranger and everything else. And so I went back and I, I watched Silent Lucidity. And, and like I said, that was the first she'd ever heard Queensryche. She was very surprised because that really wasn't what she was expecting. She knew Queensryche was metal and right. Silent Lucidity doesn't count. So I couldn't wait to hear her with Take Hold of the Flame. And the first time that Jeff Tate goes and nails, you know, that, that high yeah, E, yeah. her face is just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And then when he does it again, twice in, in the course of, of talking about Queensryche, she evoked Mozart, which I thought was just astounding. Wow. <laughs> so the charismatic voice, highly recommended. Okay. And, and the reason I can bring this in with a completely straight face, which is really amazing, is the the version of Sweet Sister Mary that she listens to and reviews is the Operation Live Crime version. Oh, wow. So okay. so she did um, Take Hold of the Flame was from Live in Tokyo, and mm. Sweet Sister Mary is from Operation Live Crime. So, you know, it, it amazed me that she's still having this reaction, and we don't know how much overdubbing was done on these right. these recordings. But, right. but the fact of the matter is, you know, probably 90, 95% of that vocal performance is probably, you know, live. Yep. And... Um, and, and the fact that Jeff Tate is still able to to do the things that he could do was astonishing yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. So that, that's awesome. That's that's my little preamble with that. I highly okay. recommend it. 
I, uh, I have one other question to, to uh, kick around with you, Joe. So, um, like I said, I saw the live crime tour, which was the Empire tour, yep. twice. But prior to then, I had never seen Queensryche. They had eluded me. Um, I think, you know, we've documented that, you know, we got into them. I got into them toward the end of our junior year. And it was the begin the end of our senior year when uh, mind crime came out and they came around with i don't think it was metallic i think Def it Leopard. was Def leopard yep and i while i had a ticket i uh i could not procure a ride home from school <sighs> that weekend and i was stuck at my house or not my house i was stuck at my dorm listening to operation mind crime in its its entirety um missing out on the performance but i think you saw them i open did up for def leopard i did so i'm curious to i i've always and i i'm sure you've told me and i just can't remember and i'm hoping you remember some <laughs> yeah, just good curious luck. curious like what that show was like and 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 um what did they play and and you know, do do you think in retrospect that having that tour because they toured an awful lot with uh, Def Leppard, they toured also an awful lot with Metallica during that time. And I'm I'm curious if there was anything that that you remember that you, do you think you know how that informed their their performances of Operation Mindcrime during the Empire tour. That is a great question paul if we look and and i remember i remember that because i saw the hysteria tour at least twice both times i saw it for the opening act i want to say right. there was three but i can't remember what the the third would have been the first time was tesla right and then we we saw um queensrike on the second so i, I remember going down and, and seeing them i remember the set being very short and as is usually the case, you know, you don't get the full light show, but that show was in the round. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, there, there wasn't quite as much space for them to, to really show off. And, and I wish I remembered more, especially given what you see in Operation Live Crime. But if we go to Setlist FM, which tells me that that show was actually on March 12th of 1989. Hmm. In the Philadelphia Spectrum, they uh, they opened up with Queen of the Reich and Anarchy X, Revolution Calling, Operation Mind Crime, Speak and Spreading the Disease. Wow, that's powerhouse. <laughs> Presumably, they took a break and then they went into Take Hold of the Flame before The Needle Lies, Chemical Youth, and Eyes of a Stranger. So... Wow. So I, 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 you know, just looking at that set list, right, they, they went full on power. They, you know, they had the opening slot and I guess they wanted to play the things that were going to grab that audience, right? They, right. I, I don't think they wanted to necessarily stretch out that audience necessarily, right. but for those of us in the know, and and we talked about this when we did the first half of the of Operation Mindcrime, you know, from Anarchy X through spreading the disease. I mean, that is a 
that's a nonstop series of yeah. songs. It so, really is. you know, I'm sure at the time we were left wanting for more because obviously that's right on the edge of the mission and sweet sister Mary. But I mean, in a, what, what do they have yeah. 45 minutes? You don't. Yeah. You, that's you, a heck of a lot of stuff to pack into yeah. an opening, opening act set. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing me up to speed there. Cause I always regretted that missed opportunity. The thing that I also was thinking about while I was watching, you know, particularly Operation Life Crime, the fact that, you know, they they toured this album, Operation Mind Crime, incessantly, right? Mm -hmm. And then they and then they recorded Empire and had a legitimate number one hit. And they were selling out arenas and and they used that platform to play their previous album in its entirety and it just struck me like that and and i was as a what 20 year old i was fucking thrilled that they did that right like that's what i wanted Absol i didn't want to hear empire i wanted to hear operation mind crime front to back a absolutely i i i've been chomping at the ear of anyone who would listen to me over the last week because exactly what you described right Empire was essentially their first headlining tour. Yeah. And and like you said, in the days pre-internet, I, I want to say we knew that they were going to play Mind Crime in its entirety. Yeah. And, and like you said, there was nothing we wanted more than that. And I seem to recall that after we saw it, all we wanted was a video. <laughs> we that was so fucking awesome we wanted that that live video yeah. and when we finally got that live video it was exactly what we wanted yeah and yeah. not only as i recall and i it, i was very frustrated because i spent a little bit of time not a whole lot of time somewhere in my house i have scrolled away the original box with the vhs and the cd yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a funny combination that is, isn't it? Right. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. It's, it's in my house somewhere. It's not really important, um, especially given the fact that I have everything um, in the super yeah. duper deluxe box set. So just for the sake of argument, and I was very happy because one of the things I was able to put my finger on was my ticket stub from this show, which I shared with you guys yeah. over the weekend. We saw them on. Tuesday, July 23rd, 1991, um, at the Spectrum, where we got to experience this, uh, this very spectacular show. And I want to say, I actually looked up the set list for that, if I can find it. And so the set list that we saw that night, for those of you who don't remember, raised my hand, Resistance, Walk in the Shadows, Best I Can, Empire, the Thin Line, Jet City Woman, Last Time in Paris. Wow. Before they launch into Operation Mind Crime, in its entirety, I remember now Anarchy X, Revolution Calling, Operation Mind Crime, Speak, Spreading the Disease, The Mission, Sweet Sister Mary, The Needle Lies, Electric Requiem, Breaking the Silence, I Don't Believe in Love, Waiting for 22, My Empty Room, Eyes of a Stranger. 
And the encore was, of course, Silent Lucidity, which is an interesting choice. You know, it's one of those things. They almost had to play that. And it was probably nice for Jeff to sing that after doing um, Mind Crime. The rest of the show? (laughs) You know, yeah, front to back. It's a little incongruous, I think. But, you know, that's... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I guess you could make an argument that 30%... 30% of the crowd was there to see silent lucidity. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say maybe, maybe, maybe it was 70, 30, right? I was going to say that there, there was a good, there was a healthy portion of the crowd that was just sitting there wondering what the hell they were watching the whole time, waiting to hear silent <laughs> lucidity, right? <laughs> similar to those in the similar time frame who went to see an extreme concert trying to figure out what the hell they were watching while they were waiting to hear wholehearted and uh, more than uh, words, more than words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's definitely the case. Uh, so that's, they didn't, so they didn't do any other songs in between mind crime and silent lucidity. That was, there was, there was, I guess at our show, it was just one con encore. Yeah. Thanks very much. Philadelphia. It's Tuesday night. It's time to pack it up. Now, the other interesting thing, if you, if you look at Operation Live Crime, the video, I want to say that when we saw them in Philadelphia, Pamela Moore was not present in person. She that's was correct. presented via the large video screen. Okay. Correct. Yes. That, that's what I thought. Because when you look at, at Live Crime, which was recorded over two nights, I believe, in Wisconsin, on that tour, Pamela Moore is in fact present. Yes, she is. In person. Which leads to some interesting things when you have life-size Pamela Moore standing on the stage in front of super huge Pamela Moore head behind her yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Um, but it's all cool. Yes, it is. Now, a couple of broad stroke because as we discussed mind crime came out when we were 18 years old ish Mm -hmm. the empire tour occurred when we were what 20 21 yep i don't know what the release date of live crime was i want to say it was probably we were probably 22 at that point probably took a year for it to come out I can't remember what what was the date of that ticket stub that you were that you said ninety uh, one. Yeah, it was ninety one. Yeah, so we actually went. Yeah, so we were all turning twenty one. So yeah, probably still we were twenty one years old when Live Crime because I seem to remember playing Live Crime on my on my college radio show. The point I'm getting at is that was a long time ago. <laughs> Really, really uh, long time ago. And not yeah. everything really ages that well. Correct. Operation Mind, uh, Operation Live Crime is still fucking phenomenal. And, and what it, you know, watching, watching Operation Live Crime and Mind Crime at the Moor back to back, to me, illustrated... A couple of different things. One, Operation Live Crime really was about the music. You had a band 
that all five guys on that stage were just fucking juiced yeah. at performing this music. Yeah. And and all the story elements and, and the, the staging, it was secondary. It was about the music. But Live Crime showcases that group of five musicians literally at the peak of their powers. Indeed. You know, I mean, just the 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 energy, the 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 technical execution, the fact that Jeff Tate is singing all of this yep. exactly as it was originally recorded. Yeah. It's it's mind boggling. It, it it really is. And one I feel like I may not have appreciated it as much had I watched it in proper time timeline order. When you watch Mind Crime at the Moor first, and then literally, you know, I walked I got up and put the DVD into the player and, and pushed play and started watching it. It was just like, holy fuck. Like it, it is, it is, I mean, and, and like you said, at the peak of, of their powers, it comes, it comes full, full on at you with maybe the exception of Eddie Jackson. I think Eddie Jackson has retained all of his powers to I, this I, very fucking day. I, I think Eddie may have gained a couple of powers <laughs> a, along the way. Um, but, but I mean, when you look at live crime, right, just that stage, the outfits, they are, and, and we use this term sort of jokingly amongst ourselves, but in that video, those guys are rock gods. Yes, they are. I mean, nothing else can be said or should be said. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. And, 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 you know, we, we've, we've talked about it on our group chat. We've passed around videos, all the videos we've seen of the, the latest Mind Crime and the latest Jeff Tate videos and the performances that they do. And we've even um, maybe seen a video and heard a few songs of Chris DeGarmo and his daughter, right, singing. Um, you see them now and you love them and you appreciate them for who they are and, and what they offer. But goodness gracious. The, the, the opening scene of live crime when they are playing Anarchy X and, you know, the, the arms flailing in the air and the, the guitar's silhouette. I mean, it yeah. is like, oh, wow. That is, that is rock deity at its finest. You're right. It is, it is phenomenal. Now, if you contrast that with Mind Crime at the Moor. Now, a couple of different aspects here. One, obviously... Chris DeGarmo was gone. He has been, because this was, you know, they, yep. Mind Crime at the yeah. Moor features both Mind Crime and Mind Crime Part 2. Right. Um, but Mike Stone is now playing the part of Chris DeGarmo, which right. I, I think, having seen other guitarists perform the Chris DeGarmo part, I think Mike Stone does a really, really solid job of that. But in Mind Crime at the Moor, the music and the musicians have really taken a back seat to the story elements. We have, we have stage actors coming in and out. Um, Pamela Moore reprises her role. 
as Sweet Sister Mary, but Sweet Sister Mary shows up a lot more than than she did in the original. In, in Operation Live Crime, Pamela Moore is only there for Sweet Sister Mary. Right. That's it. Right. But I th- I think they needed some vocal help at uh, Mind Crime at the Moore. And, you know, she was part of the dr- dramatization sure. of the story. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, there are other aspects. I, I made, the first time I watched it, I had to call out the fact that during Anarchy X, they brought out the Seahawks drumline, Blue Thunder. Right. Which, right. It's, it's a gimmick, but it's kind of a cool gimmick. I mean, I... I I kind of dig drum lines. I don't know why. Right, because they're fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, again, that, that snare cadence on Anarchy X just sort of yeah. lends itself to that. And I just, sure, yeah. you know, but it's amazing how they fit all those people. Because Mind Crime at the More, the, the thing that really gets me about it is there's all this, this dramatization going on. There's all this these story elements on a stage that's really tiny. Yeah. And 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 to the to the end effect that none of the musicians basically ever move. Presumably because there's nowhere they can move. Right. Yeah, cuz they're basically in a small club. I mean, I guess the more is probably what, maybe like the Tower Theater. I, it doesn't even seem like it's that big. It seems like it's more like the the uh, Trocadero. Yeah, it, it kind of. I, I I have no feel for how big it is or isn't, but that stage looks really small for everything yeah. they're trying to do on it. Yeah, it does. And 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 in contrast to, you know, live crime, where like Krista Garmo and Mike Wilton will walk into the middle of the stage, trade off solos, and then they'll like walk. Yeah. You know, take a stroll, maybe even jog a little bit back to their spots, you know. And, 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 and like one of the, there's a one point in live crime where like Jeff Tate disappears. I actually said out loud, where the fuck's Jeff? And he's, he's on, he's on some little side stage on, on far stage left. And I just, I'd forgotten that that was out there, but yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's completely not even in the camera shot at yeah. that point. It, it's yeah. It's, it's amazing. There, there is one common theme between both performances that I have to admit I, I did not remember and kind of had me scratching my head is that it seems like in both performances somewhere around the mission Jeff Tate seems to lose control of his legs <laughs> and there's a lot of groveling around on the floor and crawling <clears throat> and like desperate movement unsupported with his lower extremities and I and it was it, it was it was weird to me, especially at the moor because of the the uh, lack of room that they had. Yeah, that that really does stand out. Now, if we if we hearken back to the charismatic voice, okay, <laughs> during during Sweet Sister Mary, there's a lot of time that Jeff spends on his knees, yeah, in in one form or another, and and she is marveling at the way he maintains his his lower torso support for singing. So he's right. on his knees, but he's keeping his torso where it needs to be in order for him to sing the way he does. She just thought that was spectacular. It, it's amazing for sure. 
but it's kind of annoying. It's like, just, you know, why does he have, why is he, why is he doing that? So in, in live crime, I will tell you that I interpret that as, again, I think it's, I think Jeff is invested in performing this music. I think he's, he's literally overcome. I think at mind crime at the more he's, he's become much more of a showman Mm -hmm. and he's now, I think he's now performing over the top, but for different reasons. And I'm projecting there. Yeah. But I, when, when I watched live crime into mind crime at the more into, you know, 2019 and, and 2021, and, and I'm going to make an analogy that I have no business making because I don't know enough about who I'm going to compare him to. But I think the point should be made well enough. It's almost like watching the evolution of Elvis Presley from cool jailhouse rock Elvis mm. to weird, fat, sideburned, sequined, live from Hawaii Elvis. And yeah. it's not always a pleasant thing to watch. I think Mind Crime at the Moore sits right at the cusp of that. I think, you know, and I'm this sounds really snitty, but because Jeff still has his hair, but he's yep. got these sideburns. He's a little bit paunchy, but yeah. he's so overdramatic yes. about and everything he's got, that he's done. He, he does. also has an overdramatic amount of eye makeup on, too, that does not help and, the look. And that doesn't necessarily decrease over time. And by the time <laughs> we get into into 2019 and 2021 he's gotten the weird super thin sort of rock goatee thing going that i don't know why people think that's a good look because i'm not convinced that it is um and it just it it works less and less for me i i do think and, and Ken had made the point that Mind Crime at the Moore, he found, I forget how exactly he described it, as terrifying, frightening, whatever the case may be. Yes. It, it, it's much more graphic in what they show. And I think there's a bit of retconning going on because some of the things they show don't necessarily work out for me. Um, I agree. But clearly, agree. you know, there was there was a lot of work into the the stage production of, of Mind Crime yes. at the Moore. Yes. Now that being said, I can't help but say that all of that work and all of the enhanced stage production kind of comes across as very high schoolish to me. Oh yeah, I, I don't disagree. I couldn't tell if if when Ken characterized it as horrifying or whatever it was that he said, <laughs> whether he meant that the the content he was watching was horrifying or the the affect of of the performance was was horrifying because for me it was it was somewhat more the latter because it just seemed like we had we had just taken this wonderful beautiful thing that i loved and turned it into you know some sort of random high school uh dramatization well and it doesn't i feel bad about saying that well i it's true i mean honestly the the prop gun just becomes comic by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. Like if I saw that gun one more time and all the overblown freaked out reactions to it, it was just like, I get it. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's what, I think that's part of the power of live crime, right? Because they didn't have all that. And somehow the performance is more powerful. Yeah. And that, well, that's part of what's the magic of, of, of this album. You know, as we, we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, smack you in the face, you know, with obvious. Everything is right there. It's, it's unmistakable as you, as you go through. But they don't just throw it in your face. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, what, that's what's happening a lot at uh, Mindcrime at the Moore. Now, we are not going to consider Operation Mindcrime Part 2 in in mind crime at the moor and i'm very I'm, glad I'm, yeah i'm unable to because i stopped watching it uh, well it, the the visuals didn't get any better <laughs> well you know you have to say like that is i, I mean as much as i'd like to say i'm a, I'm a queen's fan you know i think one of the things that this journey so far has taught me is how little i know of their overall catalog right like I think we all agree we know the important part of their catalog but there is a long you know similar to my experience with fish right right i mean i knew almost nothing past internal exile and it was such an amazing learning experience i don't i don't think i've had anywhere near the same level of reward but i have become so curious about all of the Queensryche that i'm not that familiar with i think those are sort of like the the broad stroke things that I had with regards to these yeah. two performances, um, you know, I, I like I said, I I think overall, you know, Mind Crime at the Moor is a reasonable presentation. Oh, that's there is one more thing. Okay, I, I remember what I was going to say. I was just going to say that for those who had been diehard with the with the band throughout that whole, it must have been a really great experience to watch. Mind Crime One and Two back to back. Oh, so, I bet. Absolutely. Whether, whether Mind Crime Two is a disaster or not, beside the point. Just to see that happen, awesome. So one of the things that I want to point out is, and I don't know if you've listened to them, but you bought the Super Duper Expanded box set of Operation Mind Crime. I have, which has the original studio recording. Mm -hmm. It has the Operation Live Crime DVD. There's yep. a, a second CD with various nonsensey things and there are two live recordings from the empire tour of operation mind crime live I don't, yes i don't know if you've listened to those you know i haven't i i kind of forgot that they were there yes they are very boomy <laughs> and 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 i point that out because when i was watching live crime the other night and I let it roll through and I was I was looking at the credits and I'd kind of forgotten about this, but Live Crime itself was mixed by none other than James Jimbo Barton. Of course, yeah, that makes sense. And I haven't looked, but my guess is those other two live recordings were not. And mm -hmm. so all I can say is thank you, Mr. Barton, for doing such a wonderful job of yeah. of making Live Crime sound as good as it looks for sure yes because what we saw at the spectrum was probably just as boomy or if not more boomy than what those live discs have to offer i would imagine yeah based on my recollection of the spectrum 
or basically any other stadium I've ever seen music played in. So I, I don't know how you want to deal with this, Paul. Um, I do have a bunch of notes for oh, both wow. performances. Okay. I thought we were already dealing with it. I didn't. <laughs> I, uh, the only thing that, that, you know, yeah, I, whatever you'd like to do. I just, you know, the other broad stroke that, that I'll make and this kind of, you know, going, watching Minecraft at the Moor around a lot of the other videos that I watched of, you know, both of the current touring factions and then watching live crime. I, I, I just, I, I was a little overwhelmed by the greatness of Chris DeGarmo. <sighs> and I, I, I mean, that might be overstated and I'm sure people have just bloviated about him for so long. People are sick of it, but it's just breathtaking. Like, I mean, like the guitar, like, I mean, just, I mean, like you said, rock God, right? Just, I mean, you want to call him a poser. I don't know. I mean, they're all posing basically at that point when you're on that stage, you're a rock God. Right? Yeah. You do, you, you play the part, the dual neck guitar on sweet sister, Mary. I'm not even convinced he needs it, but what <laughs> the fuck? Holy <laughs> shit. Did that look awesome? Right? I mean, he, he just, you know, at that point, like you said, the, at the height of their of their superpowers, he was still like a, you know, he was like a magnet for your eyes and your ears at that show. Like you just, it, it, it was, it's hard for him not to overshadow the, the rest of the guys. And I just wanted to call that out because I, I was pretty overwhelmed by that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. He, he is, I, I'm, I find it a little unfortunate him having his Bon Jovi cowboy outfit, but beyond that. Yeah. Um, you know, even that, even that kind of works. It's all good. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and it's funny you mentioned the 12 string because one of the, the very, <laughs> one of the very first notes I have, we all know that I have become absolutely guitar fixated <laughs> and um, it would appear uh, that, you know, Queensryche was, and is all ESP all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But for the bulk of Operation Mindcrime and, and or Operation Live Crime and, and Live Crime actually consists of of interspersed cuts from two nights. So you can you can follow which night you're on by paying attention to which bass Eddie has. Interesting. He either has okay. a he either has a a white one or a black one. But wow, okay, I, I I didn't realize that was the the catch. The other fun thing about live crime is I'm sure there were pre cut, you know, sound check type run throughs, right? Where they got close ups and different kinds of camera angles that were not available during a live the live show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That was that was clear. That option was not available at at, at my crime at the more. Right, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but throughout the bulk of it, when um, Chris and Michael are playing, you know, standard strict six string guitars, you know, they have the obligatory late eighties, early nineties heavy metal left handed necks, which just cracks uh -huh. me up. Ah, uh, yeah. And 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 the other thing that I'm fascinated with. ESP guitars is they 
they're headstock whores, I think is the way I would describe it. Hmm. You know, Fender has distinctive headstock shapes. Um, Gibson, distinctive headstock shapes. Ibanez, you know, if you see an Ibanez, you know what it is. You see a, a, a Stratocaster, you know what it is. But these guys are playing ESPs with all sorts of <laughs> different <laughs> headstock shapes. It's just, it, it amuses me to no end because I'm amused by simple things. Did you notice, I, I, I wish I would have wrote it down. There was definitely a song that uh, Michael Wilton was playing a Les Paul. Yes. Was that truly a Les Paul or was that? I was couldn't, that I couldn't see. I, I wonder uh, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. I, I, I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't remember that. That's, yeah. The only thing I can say is it was certainly configured like a normal Les Paul. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I couldn't get, and that's one of the things with, with, um, you know, live concert videos is every director of every concert video apparently has ADHD. So you can't yeah. ever look at anything before it's yeah. gone. That's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. I that. disregard. Yeah. I disagree with that. Um, but anyway, so, so left-handed guitar necks, which are just, Oh, so nineties, um, yeah. Wilton and DeGarmo doing the rock God thing. The sound is absolutely wonderful on live crime. And, is it not kind of quaint to see and remember the days of lighters in arenas? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, visually, I like, honestly, I prefer today's LED phone lights. Um, but there was just something about, you know, trying to not burn your finger. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I don't know. Just, it was cute. Yeah. Nostalgic. We can start with. Well, there's really not much to say about Anarchy X other than I think you talked about the intro um, yeah. with the with the backlit guitars and everything else. Um, I guess Eddie's playing a Spectre. Is that correct? I, I always thought so. I think I, so. I, yeah. Um, so, you know, Anarchy X is just, it's baller. Mind Crime, you know, we get Jeff Tate out and he sounds great and he looks really good too. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly in comparison with the other the other one performance that we're talking about, well, and maybe any others that that are out there. Well, um, and and even even before, because remember we've talked about the the pompadour thing, which if you look yeah, at yes. if you look at the video for Eyes of a Stranger, which was made you right. know before everything broke, he still has got the poofy. It's right. just it's not great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean particularly. Uh, you know, he looks, he's in shape. He sounds terrific and, um, yeah, really energetic. I'm honestly. sorry. We're, we're in revolution calling, not mind crime yet. Um, okay. and I absolutely love it and it's a gimmick, but it's a great gimmick. And I think, you know, it's, it's a probably enhanced studio wise, but it's certainly in mind crime at the more when you get the the audience response back with the revolution calling when, you know, yeah. the band just yes. drops out. Oh, yeah. I just, there's something about that. You know, we've, we've, we have talked about and other you know, musicians have talked about the, that audience power. And that's one of yeah. those examples that I just, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. When we go into operation mind crime, it's interesting. We talked about Chris DeGarmo, one of, one of the knocks that, could be made about Chris DeGarmo 
is that his sound can sometimes be a little thin or diminished, but he sounds absolutely solid and beefy on this. I love that, you know, Eddie totally hits those fills that we gushed about in this oh, song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 amazing how well they're able to recreate all of all of the 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 power and the tasty tidbits of of all of this. Yeah, I, and and you know, another tip of the hat to uh James Jimbo uh Barton because I'm sure when we were watching it we heard it, but it probably just sounded like. Yeah, you're, you're probably right, but we didn't care. We were on such a high at that point. Yeah, we were. We were. Um, we move into speak, and, and it's interesting because I'm I noted down here at this point, and I've already sort of alluded to this. There's very limited video content, mm-hmm. you know. So so we're now in what the the fourth song, right? And all you have to look at are these these guys who are just kicking your ass left, right, and yeah. center. And I, I kind of like that. Rock and Field is so good. Now, again, in the arena, we probably couldn't have heard shit, but thanks to, to Jim Barton, we can, which yeah. is, is absolutely wonderful. And Speak really, you know, this is, y- you get that DeGarmo-Wilton interaction and sort of play between each other. And I absolutely... I love that. It, it was it was one of the powerful things about Queensryche in this era. The fact that Wilton and DeGarmo worked so well together. And it's nice when you get to see that. And then during... It, it, yeah. it really is nice, especially, you know, now at, at our age, so many years later, where we all know, you know, where the band has gone. You know, it, it's fantastic to see, like you said, all five guys, not just at the top of their powers, but l- genuinely looking like they're having a great time playing with one another. And, you know, the interaction between DeGarmo and Wilton is, it, it's, it's the top of anything we were experiencing at that, at that time. Absolutely. And that leads directly into my next note, which during the seven years of power section, it's, again, it's gimmicky, but it's really cool because you got all four of the guys who aren't tied to a drum kit, you know, f- Front stage, right in the center, <laughs> all together, just rocking out, which is yeah, it's just cool, right? Yeah, and 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 all of this, you know, the other thing, and I think a lot of this has to do with Degarmo, and and it's interesting. I tried to figure this out because um, when we talk about mind crime at the Moor, Eddie Jackson is going to get huge props for backing vocals, absolutely. But I I. He doesn't seem to do quite as much on live crime, presumably because DeGarmo was there. But whatever's going on, whatever role that Eddie Jackson is playing, the backing vocals on live crime are completely on point. They, they are. And uh, it, it's fascinating because even Wilton was running around with one of those headset yeah. microphones. And as far as I can tell, he, he didn't... He didn't make a peep at live crime. <laughs> no, at I don't. At the more. I don't yeah. think so either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a, a little shout out. DeGarmo gets the revolution callback, which is uh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So spreading the disease, um, Rock and Field still just killing it. Um, it sounds so good, too, on the, on the uh, 
the live disc. Oh, and then we get the... Um, this is the first time they sort of expand out the part where you get the, the sort of Tom breakdown section. Yes. Now, yeah. that's going to be expanded out much further later on, but this is yeah. the first time you sort of get that. And, and now we have some visuals going on, and my note is that they're terrible visuals. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they are, but they're, they're not great, as I recall. I I I want to say there's like a the curves of what appears to be a female body intertwined with a lot of lights and uh, moving objects. Yeah. Yeah. Not they're not, not great. great, but they're getting they're sort of getting the point across in a subtle manner. I might say better than they do it at Minecraft at the more, but I guess we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that. And yeah. and and Jeff, you know, being very timely, changes pay for wars in South America for pay for wars in Saudi Arabia. Right, which I don't think we ever have fought a war in Saudi Arabia. I believe we staged Desert Storm from Saudi Arabia? Did we stage it there? I, th I think so. Oh, maybe we did. I'm, maybe I was thinking about Kuwait. Yeah. Was that... We, we yeah, staged we, we, Saudi, we, Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Well, we, we liberated Kuwait from Saudi Arabia. Did we? And then okay. we invaded um, Iraq, Iraq from, from, from Kuwait. So, so we, to be clear, we didn't wage a war in Saudi Arabia. We waged a war from, from Saudi Arabia. Right. But, but Jeff can't okay. be hung up in okay. fine details like that. I guess that. it works better. It was, um, yeah, it was, you know, Saudi Arabia's Saudi, in the Middle East. That's Saudi Arabia. Yeah. South America. Yeah. Same number of syllables. Maybe Saudi Arabia. Okay. There's one extra syllable there. Okay. That's fine. The, the, the piece about, I, I got to tell you, like, you know, and, so, and sorry to just jump back to this again. No, oh, no. The, the, you know, as, you know, grow, I mean, I was, we were teenagers in the eighties, right? What the fuck did we know? Like we were growing up in suburban America and, and you know, the greater, greater sense of consciousness that I've had, particularly in the last, last several years, um, in part due to our, uh, conversations about the, uh, um, black lives matter with mm -hmm. Durga and Andre, like, honestly, that line, you know, politicians say no to drugs while we pay for wars in South America, like there is so much going on there. Oh yeah. Like that one line, I mean, it, you know, it could be like three documentary movies about what <laughs> he's talking about. So like it, it's, it, it's, I get it, but it's almost a shame that, you know, hit like that. It's almost a shame that he changed it. Right. To, because yeah. Because I didn't understand what the fuck he was talking about anyway. Like, I knew both those things were going on, but I didn't know the connection. And, you know, and then there was no point to even try to bother the connection because it just seemed like, a you know, I uh, will just, it's the flavor of the day or whatever. But it's very different. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great call out. We move on to the mission. Th now we start to get some of what I would call, you know, the iconic visuals. So we get the video of Eddie shooting the TV to start this off. Very, very cool. And and now we have DeGarmo with that badass dual neck that you were talking about. And 
Wilton is on the acoustic plus his Les Paul or Les Paul knockoff. There you go. Um, that we have going on here. And, you know, there's, again, they're, they're stepping up the video game because we get that cool uh, barrel of the gun video during the guitar solo section, which yeah, I, just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought that was, Ugh. It, it, that was appropriate. It sort of captured what you needed to capture and yeah. without being, again, too blatantly obvious about whatever. Yeah. Joe, remind me, is this the song when uh jeff tate dons the denim jacket i believe so okay so so like at this point of the show i would say he completely transforms his character into nikki into nikki i i agree yes yeah okay okay which of course leads us into sweet sister mary now Mm. we talked about the (laughs) we talked about the visual on for Anarchy X, but is there anything better than DeGarmo in that fucking hat in in silhouette in front of the 10 p.m. clock? Oh my god! Tell me, I, I oh don't think god. there is. So, so fucking great. Well, I'm watching. I'm watching this song, and 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 you know, I I lived like I know how popular Queensrÿche had become. I remember being in the spectrum with twenty thousand other people watching this happen yet today i still feel like you guys are the only people who really know and appreciate queen's right <laughs> right right and, and and then i'm watching this video and i'm like i just can't fucking believe they played this song in front of twenty thousand people night after night and and they did it like this so crazy it is amazing absolutely amazing and this is when tate is way off on stage left on his own thing um, and of course, we get in this particular version a an in person Pamela Moore with a very large Pamela Moore behind her, mm. and we get the laser pyramids during the chorus. Yeah, very very cool. I liked that. And and the note that I have here is that, and I was it was one of those things that I was a little worried about this, but watching it, Tate's voice is still so strong on this. I mean, I, it's amazing yeah. that I couldn't even, well, not that I can sing, but a normal person probably couldn't sing this once, much less after singing the other six songs that they just played. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, especially when you watch him in reverse order, mm-hmm. you know how you know how tough it is for him to sing it. Yeah. And then when you hear him actually do it, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it is, I, I will say though, you know, the funny part about the singing part of Queen's Red, because we've all documented clearly how none of us can sing like Jeff Tate, obviously. But it is kind of fun sometimes when you're like, when you're watching, because you, you, you know, you said he sings it almost like exactly the way the, re- the record is. But there are certain times when he like, uh, you know, bails out and sings a little sure. lower it changes and like when he does i'm thinking to myself yeah because that's the part where i fall apart too you know? <laughs> like, i was doing fine right up till there and then so it's it's almost a little comforting to be like ah he's human after all that guy that's that's fun you should uh, again pay go check out the charismatic voice on take hold of the uh, flame okay because yeah. there there's a point where he's she is she's stunned because she's figuring out that he's singing way up high 
in his head voice still. Like he yeah. hasn't gone falsetto and she's like, how does he do that? Yeah, shit, exactly. <laughs> Which God. are conversations that we've had here. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, yeah. the and here's the cool thing about live crime, right? The most dramatic thing that we get in all of this really is Jeff's big roll down the stage. <laughs> which is right, which it's, seems, it's, it's about all the drama i need at this point right. and it seems misplaced because i believe at this part of the song he's getting ready to storm out and go after dr x he is but instead he's passed out on the ground you know he's a little yeah. overcome <laughs> and and then we get this dramatic fade out on DeGarmo at the end with the two red yeah. lights. And again, I've got to, I've got to call out um, Elizabeth Zaroff on the charismatic voice because she calls out. It's, it's brilliant. And I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it all here. She calls out that fade out on the red light. And she says, that's probably indicative of some sort of violence. Mm. And it's like, it just the, the way she's able to cut through all the shit and just get to that. I love it. Wow. So then we get, uh, Jeff finally takes a break. Everyone takes a break. Yeah. And it's like, the crowd goes fucking nuts. Right. And and I I specifically remember it's it, it was a little bit more played out than it is in the live crime video. Like, he just, like, says, hey, do you want some more? Yeah. But I remember in the show, he was, like, ask, egging people on, like, does anybody know what happened to Mary? Yeah. Right? Like, does anyone know what happened? What happened? And it was like this big crowd interaction, which is kind of a funny way to interact with the crowd. But meanwhile, everybody else is grabbing a beer, trying right. to catch their breath. Right. Yeah. And and so we get the, you want more? <laughs> and of course, everyone's screaming and we get more. And the absolutely frenetic pace of the needle lies is mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I mean, they are fucking hauling ass. And it, it's not a slow song to begin with. So when you speed it up, it, it, it just, it gets me jittery. And, yeah. and the fact that Tate's able to keep up with that is, is almost even more impressive. Yeah. And then you get the dropout. Yeah. Boom. Holy shit. They pulled that off. Yeah. You want more? Boom. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really impressive. <laughs> it's so great. So, so great. Yeah. There's another great crowd moment there, too. When he gets to the line, uh, I heard him say, you'll never get away. And the crowd screams, you'll never get away. That. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, and that's like constant, too. It still happens today. That's uh, That's fun. Yeah, that drop is, it, it's so incredible because it's so tight and it, it is, it's like just like, but it, it accentuates just the, the frenetic pace of that song to the nth degree because they just turn it off. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty magical. It, 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 and it was one of those things where I don't know that I had remembered that and watching it now for this, this podcast, I was just, even now you can tell I'm juiced about it. And then we go to Electric Requiem. And, you know, a lot of this is DeGarmo just doing wonderful things. Um, although Wilton and Rockenfeld end up just jamming on the riff, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. 
And which leads us into breaking the silence. Now, I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, a, a huge riff, here you go, right? This is yeah. this is stadium, you know, oh, yeah. metal to to the nth degree. And and complete with the the trade off solo between Wilton and DeGarmo, and uh, it just you know it, it it's just oh it's huge and it's perfect and it's it's over the top in all the right ways. Now I don't believe in love. I want to say that I think there's a bit of a tempo monster here. You know when I want to say when they go into the choruses, they kind of speed up a little bit and then oh interesting. wait interesting uh, full confession. Uh, as I was entering in close to th- the third hour of watching uh, live Operation Mindcrime late at night, I think I dozed off. Oh, it happens. I don't believe in love. It's yeah. it's a shame because uh, I don't believe in love. Also features again absolutely spectacular backing vocals, uh, and yeah. Eddie Jackson is literally filling the arena by himself. He is monster huge on, on this, this track. And speaking of monster huge, let's talk about the climax of my empty room. Wow. Uh, Yep. (laughs) I mean, it, it is just chilling. And Jeff delivers this almost exactly the way it is on, on the record. It's fucking it's fucking awesome. And special guest, Ken Gregory. Kenny G in the house. In the house. What's the word, guys? What's up, Kenny G? Hey. I was terrified by that mind crime at the Moore stuff. Well, yeah. we haven't gotten there yet, Ken. You're, you're about uh, three minutes away from mind crime at the Moore. So perfect timing. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have professional responsibilities uh, tonight and uh, in the morning. But j- j- just, just checking in, saying my piece. Um, I, 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 am a huge fan of the, uh, entire live crime video and I, I, I dig the interviews. I, I think Tate's informative and, uh, helpful and I, I, I dig the whole performance and I think it really shows the interplay between all the guys. I love the stage set. I love that kind of tilting metallic stuff they got going on leading up to the drum kit. Mm-hmm. It's just an amazing video. Rockenfeld is in all his glory, and uh, it's just—it's just the tops. Uh, I'm so glad. I mean, I, I ended up paying over ninety bucks on eBay for a, a package that had um, live crime. Plus, it had the Building Empires video in there too, which probably isn't worth quite as much as live crime. Probably not. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's—I think it's peak. Now, obviously, they heavily produced. There's a lot going on. I mean, it could be an aerobics video for all the you know, <laughs> graphics they got going on. But uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking amazing. I mean, I, I have no regrets about paying money for this. I love it. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't disagree with you, Ken. And we've been gushing about how great live crime is and, you know, how it really showcases Queensryche at the absolute peak of their rock and roll god superpowers all right well then we're in full agreement i'm gonna hit what i need to hit and and you guys rock and uh i trust i trust your judgment on this one awesome 
Well, we're so glad that you were able to pop yeah, in man. even for, you know, 90 seconds. This is awesome. It was a very unexpected bonus. And, uh, yeah, keep after keep after the uh, the business. But uh, glad to have you on board. Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on. <laughs> well played, my friend. Rock. That was awesome. That was awesome. All right. <laughs> I love it. All right, so so we have now moved into um, Eyes of a Stranger. Now, this is the first time that I noticed tape on the keyboard. And Ken's made comment about, you know, Jeff's little keyboard station tucked up next to the drum kit. Uh, yeah. But this is the first time in all of this performance that I noticed him back there. Um, yeah, and I remember at the actual show, he spent a lot of time up there, you know, in the Empire songs leading up to this but yeah i agree in the video it's almost like it didn't even realize it was happening yeah and, now. and yeah. and and we do have at the end of this the very very unfortunate visual of of jeff tate for some reason jumping through one of the video screens i i so don't it's kind of funny because it's so understated i think in in the video i remember at the I remember in the live show, you know, because I saw it in Hershey, then I saw it in Philly, and I, you know, I really was like paying attention in Philly because I was like that. That was weird, and and he does he like at the end, he at the end of Eyes of a Stranger, right? He just kind of makes his exit, and he runs to the back of the stage, and as if he's diving into the video screen, you see him approach the video so you're you're watching his back mm -hmm. and you're seeing his front on the screen and then he literally dives <laughs> you know and the the idea was that they were trying to make it look like he dove through the video screen out of the but he just jumped off the back of the stage and and it, it just did it, it never really worked and i felt like it was very understated in the live crime video am i right about that or you bringing yeah. it up so maybe it was maybe it, it wasn't it, it it was it was it was i want to say it was off on the right hand of the screen yeah and and it was it wasn't even like you saw all of it you you just saw part of that screen and Jeff sort of coming through it, but it was, they cut away from it right away. Yeah. And I, I think with, with good reason. Yeah, I agree. So sort of an ignominious end to a spectacular performance. Absolutely. And, and I love the reprise of Anarchy X to end the whole shebang. It's really nice, right? Yeah. Um, it's, cool. it, it's a very powerful piece of music. Yeah. Which, you know, now we can very quickly maybe go through Mind Crime at the Moor. We've already talked yes. a little bit about this. Um, mm -hmm. Much more dramatic. Eddie is now playing a five string. Mm. So very cool. I have to give him props he, for that. And he's shouldering basically all of the backing vocals. All of the backing vocals. And the other thing that we need to point out, or I, yeah, I'm going to point out about Eddie Jackson <laughs> is in this specific performance, and I, I haven't seen a whole lot of official Queensryche after this, in this official performance, though, throughout the whole thing, when Eddie is not singing backing vocals, like he's not at a microphone, he's still singing. Oh. He, he's, he's, you know, he's just sort of either mouthing or singing along Jeff Tate's lines 
Presumably, I mean, he seems like he's really getting off on this still. Yeah. Eddie, yeah. Eddie seems to be, you know, the most animated performer on that stage. I mean, yeah. Rockenfield still is, is doing his thing, but he, for some reason, he, he just doesn't seem quite as animated. I think it's the lack of the hair. I'm not exactly sure. And that, that's a very shallow thing to say. Well, I think it, it's partly the hair. It's partly the lack of chains holding his drums up, I think. That could be. just got some kind of cool effect. But also, the sound is terrible. Uh, so, it seems like he's exerting all of that extra work for much less output. Yeah. Um, even though I'm sure he's, you know, delivering it, uh, you know, quite the same. But, yeah. I. But, but I, Ed, Ed, Eddie captures my attention yeah, exactly. throughout this a lot is is exactly. really the point let, let's not the do, youngest member of the band do we know if he's the i don't know is that. he just not as old as everybody at this point in time i don't i don't know i'm just curious about that yeah and and obviously jeff tate is very animated here we've talked a little bit about that already um yes animated I, maybe overweight and with really bad makeup I say that in the most loving way possible. Absolutely. So we've already talked about somebody give Bush a blowjob so we can impeach him. You know, Jeff Tate has an axe to grind here, which I just, you know, maybe it's just the angry young man thing. Yeah. So in Mind Crime, we start to get some of these stage actors. So we, we, and, and again, I've made the comment that this performance is much more graphic and much more visual driven. So here in Mind Crime, we get... A wonderful representation of Nikki and Mary shooting up, which is always nice to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I have a comment here. Uh, oh, so, so Jeff Tate is now communicating which character he's singing by what coat he's wearing. Mm. So for Operation Mindcrime, we get the Dr. X duster. Which, as if a a long leather duster isn't enough to sort of communicate sinister intent, it has a very large X on the back in right. case you couldn't figure it out. Just in case. So appreciate him looking out for us in that regard. I do mention Eddie Jackson's backing vocals here. Oh, yeah. And the stage is too small for what's going on. And I want to say that at this point, certainly, Tate's voice is still really pretty good. Now, I do think later on in this performance, you you pointed this out as well, it's going to become obvious that this isn't as easy as it maybe once was for Jeff Tate. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I would go as far as to say that, you know, yeah, it, it's not as easy and it's not as... It sounds it sounds like a struggle. Yeah, and 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 my notes here tell me that that happens as soon as the next song. So even as early as speak, not that Tate can't sing the line, but it does seem a little bit more strained than perhaps you've heard in yeah. in the past. You know, I I think the difference is that you know in the day, if you will, Operation Live Crime, he's singing the song as it's written. And he's got a couple of spots where he can rest, right? He's, he's found his, but, but in, in life crime at the, or my crime at the more, you, you can tell he's really charted out exactly how he has to do this because 
you just can't anymore, right? Yeah. And listen, like, good Lord. I mean, there's few that could, right? Especially at, at the age that he is in, in this and, and even now. So, yeah, in no way, shape, or form is it a, a derogatory no. account. It's just, it's just the fact. And um, He is human, you know, it, after all. It, it, he is human, after all. But it can be, be a little bit of a, dis a distraction and maybe even a detraction with, uh, you know, with everything else. Because I don't think, as I've pointed out before, I don't think the extra dramatization of the story is helping, uh, you know, fill the gap. So I, I think this is a great time to quote Ken from the group text. Hmm. And it, it, we were, Ken and I were sort of engaged in a conversation about um, late model Jeff Tate, 2019, 2021. But I think it, it illustrates the point. Not so much here, but we're on the arc that's going to lead us here. And Ken says regarding Jeff Tate and, and his ability to sing these lines exactly as they were originally recorded. Quote, if he was a humble man, then the interpretation might be endearing, but he presents as overconfident, so now there's much less room for him to sing anything less than the original recording. Mm. And I, I just thought that was so well said on Ken's part that I wanted to read that into the record. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It is interesting in, and, and this is, you know, when we, we're going back to Minecraft at the more with Speak, Nikki's the the character actor of Nikki gets to do the intro with the bullhorn, mm, which is, right. is interesting, right? You're engaging other aspects of the storytelling that you wouldn't normally have. And when we, you know, going back to the ability of, of Jeff to sing these things or not, when we get to spreading the disease, Mary now comes on stage in the form of Pamela Moore and Mary sings her own backstory in the second verse of right. spreading the right. disease yeah and it's you know everything is much more graphic with mary on stage mm -hmm. at this point indeed you know we've already gotten the 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 <laughs> the explicit drug use we have explicit sexuality now with mary on stage um even though the song lyrically was already explicit enough it um it's interesting and mm -hmm. So that moves us into the mission. And now suddenly we have a piano going on. <laughs> There's no indication that anyone's playing a piano. There's just piano sounds coming from wherever. Right. And it's not too egregious here in the mission. But by the time this is all said and done, later on in this performance, you're going to start to feel like you have, to your point, again, Paul... Bought tickets to the local high school musical performance of right. you know Operation Mindcrime. Yeah, it, it, you know it's like some sort of musical adaptation of of you know this piece. It's interesting. Yeah. It it is interesting, and they they chose to to delay the big thrusting guitars and the six days ago my life had taken a toll. Yeah, right? they they choose to do that slower again. And it would almost indicate like they were going to do some sort of really creative build or different version of the song. And they basically just, go, you know, blow their load right away. Like when they decide to open up the guitars, it's like, oh, we're just going back to the song the way it was. 
it, it, it never really develops into anything. And and I and I find that trends like if you're going to reinterpret the front part of the the song that that's okay. But I think when they when they do that, that transition into the heavy chorus is extraordinarily awkward. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't done very well. It was not. I agree. Here again, this is where we start to get some of these visuals that maybe don't jive with what we always thought of the story. So there's there's a part in this where it it appears that Nikki assaults Mary in some way, shape, or form, um, where she's basically torn out of her habit. Which, you know, by all accounts, the, you know, the story was that Nikki was in love with Mary. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but there you go. And this is where, yeah. this is where we start to get the prop gun. And we've already made comment uh, that the, the prop gun is just way overblown in this whole production. Yeah, I agree with all of that. The removal of the habit is perplexing. Perplexing it is. So we go into uh, Sweet Sister Mary, and this is where, in, in my notes, I noted down that in in this production, all the drama is concentrated in Jeff and the stage actors. None of the drama is is in the musicians at all. Correct. Yeah, they're they're very static. So it's interesting. And it's one of those lines. I don't recall if we if we talked about it when we did the studio album or not. When Mary's talking about bind my arms and free my mind, the only peace I've ever known, I'll close my eyes, you'll shoot. Right. The stage performance here suggests that mary is actually talking about shooting up drugs yes exactly which i don't know that i had thought i'd i'll close my eyes you'll shoot always made me think because nikki was sent to shoot mary um right but i never actually thought that the way i interpreted it was that mary knew that nikki was sent to shoot her and she said You've been sent to shoot me. Go ahead, shoot me. I'll close my he, eyes. He, you can do it. He tells her that. Right. He says, thought you had them fooled. Now they sent me for you. You know too much for your damn good. But That's I, right before her, I, her line. I yeah. never assumed. So, so okay, cool. But now we have her talking about drug usage. So It makes, are, it makes no sense. Are, are they going to shoot no up sense. or is he going to shoot her? I'm not convinced. I never thought Nikki was actually going to shoot her, but the stage production here suggests that Nikki actually was going to shoot her and then changes his mind, which just doesn't jive with what I ever thought about this. I, I agree. None of, none of that jives with my interpretation of Operation Mindcrime. Okay, good. We are completely aligned. Probably fair to mention that my interpretation of Operation Mindcrime does not include a sequel. So, well, okay, there's that too. That's that's cool. So we do get the the now patented Jeff Tate stage role. Very cool. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, very course. happy to see that sort of a a, a a carryover. But now Jeff Tate takes things too far. And and how, he be- how so, Joe? He becomes his mannerisms become way over the top, and so the question I'm going to ask, because presumably, you know, Jeff Tate is is in Sweet Sister Mary embodying the character of Nikki, and there's a lot of 
head grabbing and yes. jerking around. Is is the chorus the the choral part of this? Is it in Nikki's head, or is he just kind of losing his mind generally? It it it's very weird to me. I it, it I is. struggle with this because because he's clearly struggling with something but we don't know ex- we don't know what it is because we we feel like we we do know what it is and this is not what we think it is does that make any sense at all yeah i mean this is how i interpret sweet sister mary nikki comes to kill sweet sister mary she is surprised he says yep they've come they've come i've come to get you and she's like, you know what? My life is awful. Shoot me. He goes, no, 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 no. He says, we need to get Dr. X. It's time to turn the tables on him. You know, we, we, can, we can save ourselves here. Then there's this big musical interlude where they have sex. And Mary's just like, okay, this is, this is it. We just need to get out of here. And Nikki's like, nope, I've got a job to do now. And he takes off. She feels worthless and used and she commits suicide. None of that is, at least from what I watched, seems to be going on. Right. So I have a personal bias of confusion happening through this entire dramatization. And and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But, but here's the thing that really rankles me. I, I don't even know how long we spent. We probably spent... 30 minutes talking about sweet sister mary when we did that yeah. part of the that part of the episode uh, i was gushing um like i said i watched the charismatic voice uh, it, um review of that mm-hmm. song three times over the weekend i exclaimed i proclaimed i think you did as well sweet sister mary as the greatest queensrÿche song ever mm. period mm-hmm. and here we are talking about fucking secondary stage production instead of talking about how awesome this song is exactly and i find that frustrating it is indeed frustrating so i don't know what the hell's going on back to the performance the needle lies Uh, we don't have we've got a better tempo here they're they're not whatever they were late 20s you know monsters that it's it's still tight yeah. It's just not lightning fast, which is great. Um, the backing vocals here are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrible. And I'm not I'm not looking at you, Eddie Jackson, because I don't know that this is on you. Um, but whoever, you know, arranged those, yeah. it's just it's not good. There there is something and, and you you do kind of wonder if there was backing tracks in the live crime or an overdub, you know, because obviously the backing vocals are a, a, the whole group singing, including Jeff Tate. And in, and in the mind crime at the more, he's not singing at all. And it is just a bunch of guys singing falsetto on stage. And it just doesn't sound good. It, it really doesn't. It's not good. However, at the end of this, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Jeff does seem to hold out that last name for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it seems genuine. I, I don't think it's, 
affected. I don't think it's over. It, it seems like he pulls that off, and it's quite I, impressive. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to, I, you know, one of the things, like, he changes so many of his vocal lines, and, you know, instead of singing, like, a like a melody where he would maybe cross over a few notes, he'll hold one specific note. And I think it's just a mechanism because he's like, okay, I can get this note during this song at this time, and I'm going to sing this. And that one just really seems to, you know, sit very nicely in his uh, in his register because he does. And I think he still at this point doesn't have control of his lower body, so he's still kind of rolling around mm-hmm. on his knees. Yeah, he's definitely he's, on his knees while he's holding that note out for that long. Yeah, it, it's it's quite it's noteworthy. Yeah, and, and and then we get back to the goofy, you know. Now now we're gonna go back to. <laughs> to the goofy stage stuff so so now we get to see explicitly the death of of mary oh oh now what what's one of the most iconic lines in all of operation mind crime your rosary wrapped around your throat exactly does that have anything to do with mary blowing her brains out it does not it does not now i will say if we're going to show Mary shooting herself, the visuals of how they did that, eh, that's not bad. But it again, it sort of it it blows the entire prior interpretation of of the the song out of yeah. out of the water, and it, yeah, it's and just silly. It, it is silly. The fact that Doctor X calls her on the phone and tells her to take the gun and. Whether that's happening in her mind or in real life, it's just silly. It it's is just, silly. It's not it's just, good. It's not good. And and so then we go into electric electric requiem, and the the blasphemy is now complete because we are fully into Operation Mindcrime the musical at this point. Exactly with with the yeah. with the silly piano and yeah. the 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 calling for Mary stuff and it's just right it's right. it's ridiculous <laughs> I'm so glad that, that you're saying this it's just oh. it's terrible and and Paul what's the name of this song the name of the song is electric requiem and what does Nikki do at the end of electric requiem in this performance he sets Mary on fire. <laughs> it's not fire requiem. It's electric re- requiem. What? what? Oh god. Why? Why would you do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean at least they had the decency to remove the line, turn the current on. Right. But but that goodness. doesn't excuse the travesty that is this, especially again when we talked about in the live cri- live crime performance. Electric Requiem is fucking baller. It is. It is. It it really like I, I'm assuming at this point, you know, this is all Jeff Tate, right? Putting you know, and I and I just have to think that the rest of the band is just like, yeah, okay, cool. It's like it's like a it's like a three minute breather for the band, you know. Yeah, it's okay. Sip a beer, wipe the sweat off my brow. Yeah, I believe in our our 
our coverage of Operation Mindcrime and Breaking the Silence, there was some displeasure um, expressed over the the why'd you do it part. Mm-hmm. And, and so to see the actual words, why'd you do it, <laughs> W-H-Y apostrophe D, put up on the screen multiple times, again, is not really selling this for me. And it's not even at the right spot. No. Uh, Jeff now sounds visibly tired vocally. He's yeah. having a hard time. Yeah. But one thing that I, I do kind of like here is the appearance of Death Mary, Mm, much in like in, in the in the Black Veil and everything else. So a lot of of Mary's actions or, or persona or storyline is actually conveyed in what she's wearing throughout this whole thing. That I right. give props to. I really like that. Yeah. I don't have anything on I feel like I feel like the guitars are a bit out of tune with one another and breaking the silence. Just that could very well there. be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any notes for I Don't Believe in Love, but I do have to note that when we get to Waiting for 22, we have the piano again. Oh, exactly. Um, and and the, the, the constant recapitulation of the line, who will come? Yes. Um, without really finishing that line, it's just kind of, you know, Susical, the Operation Mindcrime musical. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not great. And then... You know, when we get into my empty room, there's just, we got too much of this flopping around thing again. We've got more yeah. weird, unexplained piano going on. It's just, you know, it. if it wasn't for the return to Anarchy X and Blue Thunder coming back on to sort of cleanse the palate of, of everything yeah. that's going on, I, I think this would be a very unfortunate end because... You know, from things started to go sideways at the mission, and on the back half of this performance, it, yeah. you're you're just they're emphasizing all the wrong things, and they're I, making wrong choices musically. It's unfortunate. Yeah, and even in Eyes of the Stranger, right? They, he sings the whole song with the straight jacket on. Yes, which it's maybe, an actual straight jacket. What? Yeah. What? I mean, it's and it's such this powerful, rocking sort of. It, it's it's like the final act of rebellion, right against everything that he's been through in his own self, right. And he's just sort of motionless, you know, in a straitjacket with his mascara running. It's just not not a pretty thing. It's not nearly as dramatic as he seems to think it is. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. The the bits that I watched of the 2019 and the 2021 performances. And again, I didn't, I, I don't even know in 2021, I don't think he did the whole thing. Um, but certainly in, in 2019 he did. I, I don't think his band is as good. There was none of, I didn't see any of the stage performance aspect, but Jeff himself still presents this sort of very flamboyant over the top personality and I think that goes back to, to Ken's point that if you're going to present like that, then you damn well better nail, yeah. you know, the, the songs. And it just, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have the energy. 
there were some complaints about mind crime at the Moore, but I think if if I listened to it and didn't have to watch it, I would probably enjoy it much more. I think mm. it's much closer to to live crime than than the the much later versions. But it yeah. does having having watched it, it it does show you where Jeff thinks this thing needs to go and. I respectfully disagree. Yeah, it's it's interesting because my recollection of seeing him at the TLA perform this with his, you know, post-lawsuit band, you know, he really didn't have any, you know, videos or stage to do any. I mean, it was it was literally just about the music. Yeah. And I remember it being pretty stellar, um, all things considered. Yeah. So, but, I, I mean, again... Here we we've spent the better part of two hours talking about you know a live performance because again live crime is phenomenal mm-hmm. and and I don't want to diminish that um, or or anything else at its core the music of of mind crime is it, it's as good as it comes mm-hmm. and you know. Operation Live Crime happens to capture, you know, the the best of a really good band in the best place maybe they've ever been, uh, to your point, in terms of physical ability, in terms of sort of mental unity on what they were doing. It's it's delightful to see, and it's nice that it aged as well as it did because, like I said, there's always a concern when you put in something that old. You're like, Ooh, that's not great, but yeah. but live crime is that great, and and you know, all all of my my beefs aside, you know, I th- I think there are s- some aspects of mind crime at the more that are interesting and certainly worthwhile. And it's not like it's a terrible thing to watch or listen to. It's just, you know, it, some choices were made that are not choices that I would have made yeah. and I don't necessarily agree with. But it, it's not like it, it doesn't showcase a, a bad performance. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, like I said, there were some choices that were made. And yeah. and it's, it's fun to compare and contrast because that's what we do on this podcast, right? And if yeah. we didn't have mind crime at the more, we wouldn't have anything. We would just gush about, you know, live crime and be done. So exactly. I'm, I'm happy for the the comparison to, to look at different things. And you know what? This is Jeff Tate's baby. And if he wants to do that, he's going to do that. Cool. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Any last thoughts on live mind crime, my friend? I think all I, I'm going to say is, well, two things. I, I, I think I'm so glad that live crime is as good as it is afterwards. Like you said, you know, you have that trepidation. Uh, I remember this being really fucking awesome. <laughs> like it, 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 it couldn't have been like, I just, I, I just must've been too young and, you know, but it, it really is. It really is that good. And um, I'm so glad that it was. The other thing, and this is just kind of a fun thing, like when it's all said and done, is Chris DeGarmo really just a man because, you know, he realized that it's just better to burn out than fade away and just 
you know, leave before things got to any any further. I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's a a great question. Um, but because think about it, all he really has is a, is you know you know a couple years of memories of doing a couple albums and a couple of tours that saw them sort of head back down to you know the the level of mere mortals and then he was done you know and you know his legacy is all of the greatness that there is none of the bs really it's interesting yeah i mean it's certainly it it's certainly in hindsight was an excellent decision on his part <laughs> Um, because it it does sort of you know it it's the it's the Bill Cower sort of effect. Interesting. Bill Cower won one Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and you know he had for not so much now, but certainly you know when he retired, he was a hot commodity. And if he had come out of retirement and not won another Super Bowl could have potentially tarnished his, his image. He didn't do that. Yeah. He kept right. the mystique. Yep. So, well, I, I appreciate you spending all the time here this evening, Paul. This was, this was fun. And like I said, I've, oh, yeah. it was ridiculously self-indulgent to spend four weeks on Operation Mind Crime, but I have no regrets. <laughs> me, me neither. I had a feeling we would do it, and I have no regrets either. Absolutely. So, um, I guess and now it gave, me, it gave me extra time to buy the super deluxe box set of Empire. So now I have that. Oh, do you? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're going to have to watch the the Building Empire video because because yeah. that's a hoot and a half. Okay. And, and that's a great segue. So next episode we will um, cover Queen's Empire, and then nice. we have one more that we are committed to cover and that is promised land mm-hmm. and then we'll see where we go from there but okay yeah very much looking forward to that very much looking forward to moving on to empire the album that you know broke queensrike big ah. and uh gave them the opportunity as you said the the platform to perform this wonderful live version of Operation Mind Crime. So look forward to that. Me too, man. Awesome. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>